Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm right here, boss, man. I got this, yeah. We got a crazy good main event coming up this weekend. We got Derek Lewis taking on Alexi Olenek. But before we get there, I'm going to introduce the squad, the UFC pod squad. We're brought to you with our two solid analysts, bringing the cutting edge analysis. The first one being Reese Pulfer. Reese, how you doing this evening? Great, dude. I'm unbelievable. Last week was a big money fight night. Um, and I'm ready to continue to make these gains, baby. Let's go. Love that. Love making money. I mean, that's the, that's the overall theme of this. And our other analyst, Mr. MMA Capper DK on Twitter, Danny Koritz. How we doing, DK? We're doing good. Surprise, surprise. The pod is back. The pod is back. Yeah, we did take a week hi- hiatus. Um, I was traveling. I know we had uh, uh, a lot of golf being played over the weekend by some of the, uh, some of the team members. Shouts out to them. Kobe, Parker, how we doing this evening, boys? We're good. Squad, I miss you guys. This is fun. I, I, this is one of my favorite parts of the week. I'm excited to get back rolling here. We are back, baby. We are back. I'm blushing. I'm blushing. And let's get right into it, then, boys. <laughs> Last week, huge W underdog victory for Derek Brunson in the main event over Edmund Shabazi and the 22 year old Reese. Give me your thoughts on Brunson, where he looks, uh, where he looks to go from here. I got Brunson. The line steamed up a little bit from casuals. I got him plus 300. Actually, that was a big cash for me. Um, the thing I like about Brunson is the fact that the biggest thing holding him back in the past to me was his fight IQ. Um, he worked himself into a lot of tough situations. Uh, I think he lost himself a lot of fights because he didn't have the proper coaching. Since he switched camps, he's 3-0. He made that extremely apparent, and he looked amazing in Shabazi. And as far as not only patience, which is very key, he used his distance um, he used his wrestling. He didn't rush in flurries, uh, which are issues that he's seen in the past. Um, but he also beat Ian Heinish, who's a notable guy at uh, middleweight. And, and I think that Brunson, if he continues to fight smart like he is, he really can make a, uh, a run in this division. And Danny, before I ask you about your thoughts, just quickly, quickly recap Derek Brunson's career. So uh, coming on, as Reese was saying, three-fight win streak over Shabazi in this past Saturday. Ian Heinish earlier in August, as well as Elias Theodoru, uh, no longer in the UFC. But I think the, the key thing to look at with Brunson's career, um, it being, I believe, his 12th fight in the UFC this past Saturday, are who he's lost to and mm-hmm. the, the, the caliber of opponent that he has lost to. Uh, most recently, Israel Adesanya. Before that, Jacare Souza, which has been twice he's lost to Jacare. Anderson Silva, Robert Whitaker, Yoel Romero, and Kendall Grove back at Show Fight 20 in 2012. So, I mean, this is a guy you can definitely compete with any any uh, any contender in the UFC, especially yeah, yeah, in middleweight. I, I think I listed the exact same list of names on the Phantom episode last week. Uh, we threw around the, the term gatekeeper a lot. Uh, you kind of have to be the lead of the elite in this division to beat Derek Brunson, and it just shows. He, he's definitely right right there as, as the still the gatekeeper in the division, and it looks like the gate was closed for Edmund. Where do you guys see Brunson, uh, like a next fight coming up for him? What are some thoughts? 
I don't know, looking at the rankings, I'd love to see him maybe face a Darren Till who's uh, coming off of that loss to Whitaker. I know that there was talk of him versus Manson. Um, but maybe even what about Kelvin Gastel. Yeah, maybe even going all the way to Kelvin. That scrub. Our Bellator analyst over there in Danny has to hopefully learn up about Kendall Grove. That man's a throwback ultimate fighter. Dude, Kendall Grove is so throwback. He was fighting before I even had hair in my nuts. It would be a good fight for uh, a Brunson. Gaston would be interesting. What about yeah. a Yoel? What about a Yoel? A guy who could wrestle, um, an Olympic wrestler, has the strength and also the fight discipline slash IQ to kind of well, Yoel has, Yoel well, has Uriah Hall in two weeks. Yeah, he has Uriah Hall, and oh, they actually Uriah fought. It was in. It's going to be a double murder. Uh, <laughs> yeah. M- Munoz is going to kill Edgar, and uh, Yoel is going to kill Hall back to back. It's going to be. And Brunson does have a KO victory over Hall as well. Um, yeah, definitely interesting to see where Brunson goes from here. Definitely going to be another notable name that he gets up, uh, up next in middleweight again. Stack division. Can't wait to start talking about the title fight coming up in a few weeks. I know Danny and Reese are getting heated. I'm getting heated. I mean, as a as an Adesanya mm-hmm. fan myself, um, yeah, I'm, no I'm nervous. Uh, I'm nervous. The <laughs> pink hair went, looks great. Before this podcast uh, went, Danny and I had a 35-minute conversation about uh, Izzy Kosa. It gets heated. We, we're we very divided. Do not miss that episode. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, we will be that coming one in is, hot for yeah, that, that, that We will be coming in hot. So only eight fights on uh, this past weekend's card. Um, and then a couple other notable names to recap. Uh, Jennifer Maya with a pretty slick armbar submission over Joanne Calderwood. Danny, our resident white belt expert. Uh, talk <laughs> us through Maya's uh, submission and where she goes from here. Yeah, um, JoJo landed the takedown and it was pretty slick armbar from the ground. Uh, she was still dry, so Jennifer was able to get the finish and keep her grip. Um, as, as I mentioned on the Phantom episode, it's, it's always tough when you have a guaranteed title shot and then you take a stay busy fight. Um, I can't recommend it to anyone. I know we mentioned Frankie Edgar has been yeah, Frank, um, yeah. stung by that a couple of times. Most recently, uh, Tony Ferguson got stung by that. The stay busy fights never work when you're yeah, searching for gold. It's tough. Um, the thing about Maya and that division as a whole for me is I, I kind of think it's who's the next Lambda slaughter, you know? You look at that fight and you're like, okay, JoJo lost to Jakakian. Um, she lost to both girls actually that were ahead of her in the rankings. Cynthia, I'm drawing a right? blank. This is where, yeah, Cynthia Calvillo. Thank you. Um, she lost to both girls who were ahead of her in the rankings. Is she? I mean, if she wins that fight, does she really want that? I mean, I I wouldn't. You know, Shevchenko's the type of girl. Yeah, Shevchenko. Yeah. Yeah, she's so well rounded. She can beat you anywhere. You look at that Jessica eye knockout, and it gives you nightmares for weeks. As someone who's there, day. as someone who was there, yeah, at you that were there. Fight, that sounded like a rubber band snapping on someone's leg in like yeah. the middle school oh, lunchroom. Oh, and then, and I, then, as someone the who was there Center. when she dominated Jukagian, there, there is yeah. no one in this division and, that can and touch. And don't Poland. kid yourself. Don't kid yourself. Jukagian's a phenomenal striker, especially at range. And Shevchenko went through and warm knife through butter. I mean, it was that was. Crazy. I mean, that could have been Shevchenko's most competitive fight though probably in the last five or six fights at least the one that the one that gave me a head scratch was the one against Karamouche I don't know if you guys watched that one that was a brutal fight yeah she wanted to keep her belt it was but the thing is is people like to not like to sleep on her but when you look at her versus Amanda Nunes as a total of who's more dominant in their division I think Shevchenko is between flyweight no both divisions between flyweight and bantamweight who's more dominant within their respective division 
I personally think Shevchenko is less likely to lose the belt, personally. And I'm looking at bantamweight yeah. for Nunes because featherweight doesn't even really exist. Um, I mean, both of them most likely, they're too dominant. But, you know, I, I, if I'm Maya here, and I don't want to get too off track by getting bogged down, but if I'm Maya here, as much as she thinks she wants this fight, and same with uh, Calderwood, I don't know if either of them actually do. I mean, it's literally going to be a minus 1,100. At, no at some point, someone, I mean, has to right. at least show, have a good showing. I mean, totally yeah. changing out. Maybe an Imanari role. Who the hell knows? But, yeah, it definitely looks like Shevchenko is uh, long may she reign. It seems like at this right. point. I mean, looking right. down the list, do we think the next – I mean, do we think it's someone like Macy Barber? I know that she's kind of an unpolished prospect, but – Yeah, she – that loss she suffered uh, – Yeah. I, I mean, it was, her see, knee popped. Who was that, that too, though? I can't remember. I wish I had it on hand. But she uh, – that that was the big issue for me. Not Mata Ferry. Um, Not Irene Aldana. Was it Roberson? No, it was Roxy. It was totally Roxy. Macy Barber. It was oh. Roxy. It was Roxy. Yeah, yeah. She lost was, the decision to Roxy. She lost the decision to Roxy after her, tearing her ACL injury. in the you're first right, minute. Right, right. Rainbow right, Warrior right. on the right, on the right. cowboy yeah, card yeah, on the yeah, counter cowboy that, card. Yeah, and her there was that fake Twitter account with her dad. The thing about Macy, I've been high on Macy for a while. I was watching her all the way back in the day before she made her UFC debut. Um, she's a she's a phenomenal fighter with the skills, but again. Does she have any shot in the world against a girl like Valentina who literally is trained to murder? <laughs> I don't I don't think so. Let me put it this way. If I have a gambling debt and I need someone to go fetch that debt for me, I I don't even – I jump over John Jones and just call Valentina right away. Fuck. John Jones can go – he lost his Dominic Reyes. He can go sit on the pine. Valentina And probably go. Santos. <laughs> Here's the question. And Valentina <laughs> or Davison? <laughs> yeah, Davison's insane. Figure it out. Let me put it this way. I throw 10 racks on Valentina because that girl wins by murder. Yeah, <laughs> so it seems like Maya will be next in line uh, to challenge the bullet, but all in all, great performance. And yeah, as we're saying, these uh, stay busy fights are definitely interesting. As we know, uh, financial ramifications for these fighters definitely comes uh, kind of over title implications a lot of the time. So we got to make sure that we take that into account as well, uh, especially when uh, Uncle Dan has taken a large piece of the pie uh, from these fighters as well. But keeping it moving from last week, uh, another uh, big Max Shiner favorite, uh, Vicente Luque with the second-round knockout over Randy Brown, um, a guy who really kind of came on the scene uh, during the tough Black Zillions American Top Team season where he, along with teammate Kamar Usman, really kind of studs kind of a, of and the And teammate, teammate Irwin Rivera, who's opening up the prelims today as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, we're going to hopefully get the episode posted. Danny and I did a one-off episode. Everyone else on the pod was, uh, busy that weekend, but we actually had our first ankle pick pod max bet on Vicente Luque. I know, uh, there will be max or maximum. Max bet, max, oh, all the way up. Shiner, I was, was, I was on it too. Yeah. You're, uh, it, we, uh, we, we, me and Danny both hammered Vicente Luque. Um, I remember watching that Mickey Gall fight with Randy Brown and thinking, like, how the hell does Randy Brown make Mickey Gall look like a guy who should be in the UFC? That was the question. I pondered that for weeks. I was like, there's no hold. I go, Mickey Gall does not belong in the UFC. And Randy Brown allowed him to look like he did. And that's a problem. And Vicente Luque is a guy who, again, we use the word gatekeeper. I wouldn't consider him a gatekeeper. He's still young. I just think they haven't given him. He's only 28. 
I know. Other than Wonder Boy, they haven't really given him the the recognition or the credit that he deserves. Yeah, but that was an easy max bet. Well, uh, for yeah, for well, let's look at let's look at Luke's record. So his only losses uh, since that tough finale, uh, being in that the finale against Michael Graves in a very close fight that he got uh, a unanimous decision uh, loss to. He lost to Leon Edwards very early in his career. I mean, I think Luke at this point was only 25. Edwards also is no and joke. And then the Thompson Edwards loss. No mm-hmm. yeah. The Thompson loss, he was definitely in that fight. I mean, it wasn't, right. it wasn't a complete Thompson's one-sided one of the best strikers yeah. up and down in the entire I roster. Think it, I think as far as welterweight goes, Thompson might be the best striker. And Luke held his own. I know the Barbarena yeah. fight was questionable. Barbarena is a guy that people, that people overlook because technically he's not as sound. But – um, that fight, if it went to decision, would have been would have been close. But I think Vicente Luque is just a good name to keep on the yeah. radar for sure. I mean, I agree. on a two fight one streak, he's got w- multiple wins over guys like Nico Price, yeah, Muhammad, Mike Perry, Randy Brown, now Brian Barbarino, Jalen Turner. So this is a right. guy who's gotten victories yeah. over top opponents and, for sure. And he's the type of guy that even though that division is deep, um, and and I wouldn't necessarily say he's as well-rounded as you'd like him to be to contend for the title, but he's a Brazilian. I mean, he's no slouch on the ground with Jade. He's BJ got a very J. good ground game, yeah. Was, yeah, very good ground game. He actually wanted to take Randy Brown there, even though uh, Randy Brown's notoriously long and lanky and likes to use uh, his submissions. But, man, when you look at his striking, although his the thing that worries me about Luque, and, and I know I don't want to dive too much into last week, but – but Luque's fight IQ makes me question. He loves to get in those brawls. He loves he to get in brawls. He loves to get into a phone. The Nico Price fight was scary because he started doing right. that late. Yeah. Right. And he does it. If you look at all of Nico or Vicente Luque's fights, he literally points to the ground and says, let's fucking go. You know what I mean? He's let's let's stand here too. and bang. Oh, His chin showed through against Wonderboy. Yeah. Granted. Also, the one with Luque. Yeah. We, should, we have to give a quick shout-out to the busiest man in the arena last Saturday, Gilbert Burns, who coached and cornered Vicente, followed by handling all the translation for Jennifer Maya fight after. Which is yeah, great. Yeah, Gilbert great. Burns, MVP. Can he beat Usman? No, but noted. Oh, he can. Oh, he can by sub. <laughs> oh, get out of here. That's another podcast. People, stay tuned because we have differing opinions on every main event. Let's go. Interesting fact right, of Vicente Luque before we uh, kind of move it on forward. In 2012, April 28th, uh, for the matter, Spartan MMA 2012, he has a knockout win over Tiago Santos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's real. That's who you guys are listening for, that that real analysis, cutting-edge analysis there. Look at that. And that's what Shiner – people go – Shiner brings that to the pod, the knowledge that, that people don't have off-cuff. I mean, MVP Shiner for this pod. Let's keep this bad boy rolling. Thank you, thank you, boys. Um, yeah, so what else you want to talk about? I mean, Bobby Green, big win over Lando Venata. I know Reese had a couple Dude, takes on that. Hey, Dan, yeah, that, that fight, I won't even lie to you. Uh, I was wrong. I thought Venata mm-hmm. was going to get better of that one. Um, Bobby Green against Clay Guida did not impress me at all. Um, and I know he's showboating, and Bobby Green's definitely a personality. Um, but – you know, he, he's a guy who can, who can strike. He's ready to stand and bang. I know he has a wrestling background as well, so you're looking to him kind of to mix it up. Um, but he, he got the better Orlando, and I think, I think the decision was completely accurate, and Bobby Green got the better of the fight. Thank God I laid off that as far as the bet goes. 
Um, Danny or Shiner, I guess anyone. Does anyone know where the uh, bonuses went last week? I didn't check that. As far as like, yeah, I know. Night. Yeah, Derek Brunson did not get it. It was Derek, um, so fight of the night was Bobby Green, Lando Venata. And yeah, that's what I'm guessing. The night, Jennifer Maya, Vicente Luque. Well, okay. And, I, and, I did I, not lay off the Lando Venata. Uh, sadly, that was the only bet of yeah, the card that, that I lost. Yeah. Um, like we mentioned in the Phantom episode, when Lando's on, he's on. Sadly, yeah. he was not on. He he's a guy who's ready to fight. I mean, he goes up and he. I mean, even a couple times in this fight, he got knocked down. He was like, "Let's." He got popped up. Was ready to go. He's not. He doesn't shy away from anything. Um, I think the card as a whole was a tough card. Luke, even though that knee. Which, by the way, extremely questionable. I think it was legal. Oh, um, it was legal. I, I th- but it was looking close. at it in slow motion. He was not grounded. Yes, but it was close. I right. was sweating that one for a max bet. I was sweating that one. Um, and Maya, obviously, she came out as the dog, ripped off a nasty armbar, uh, very clean. Um, I believe it was round one too, which is just like, you know, even that much sweeter. Right, it helped um, that yeah, JoJo was dry. Yeah. Okay, that yeah, that makes it a lot better. The fact that that was fight of the night because that that's the one I would have given fight of the night to. Um, those guys were both ready to stand and bang. Um, so that Shabbat, yeah, that it was one of those uh, nights where okay. there needed to be a fifth bonus. Yeah. Derek Brunson right. deserved it. Would have been well, nice. Would have been nice. The card the card was originally slated to have eleven fights on it, and actually about three of the fights were uh, removed. Some prior to weigh-ins, some after weigh-ins, one right yeah. before the fight was going to happen. So the UFC definitely yeah. this ends up being a very good card for the circumstances, no doubt. And then right. th- that's really it from the main card. In terms of the prelims, I know, Reese, you got to take on one of them. But before we get to yours, yeah. uh, Jonathan Martinez with the TKO victory over my former teammate, Frankie Science from uh, Fight Ready MMA in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, mm-hmm. Nathan Man- Maness defeating Johnny Munoz via unanimous decision. Questionable. That was question. Jamal Emmers, uh, Dana White Contender Series bet, uh, defeating Vincent Cachero uh, via unanimous decision. And then, Reese, I know you want to touch on this one. Chris yeah. Gutierrez and Cody Durden going to a draw. So, again, I know we've touched on this Phantom Pod, and hopefully we uh, actually get this bad boy uploaded. We had a lot of good takes. Um, but I actually had Durden against Gutierrez as the big dog. Um, my parlay cashed for less money because obviously Durden got the draw. Um, it was, that was a very interesting fight for me stylistically because I thought Durden was going to bring it to him. Um, Gutierrez strikes me as a guy who – that doesn't strike me as a guy. From, from pure film alone, he's a guy who likes to sit on the outside, counter strike, loves the lower leg kicks, the low calf kicks, which uh, have seen to be a point in modern MMA. A lot of guys love to rip those lower calf kicks. Um, but you know, I, I scored it as a draw. That first round was 10, eight to me. Durden absolutely mauled him. Um, I was, I think I prematurely celebrated. Uh, I was ready for that Durden big cash out and then Gutierrez definitely sneaked the last two. Um, but you know, for Durden making his UFC debut and fighting a guy who's three and one in the UFC, um, and is definitely no, definitely not a slouch. Um, I was impressed. I was impressed with both of them. I was impressed with Gutierrez is grit being able to get back into it. Um, but I was also impressed with Thurden being able to take this fight, uh, and really, you know, bring it to him. I know that I was on Gutierrez last week. Um, even though I said it was a no bet, 
So there is this element of bias, but I did not score the first round at 10-8. I mm. thought that although he was in the dominant position the whole time, I never thought he was close to finishing. I thought that Gutierrez was kind of sitting there, and although he wasn't trying to get out of the position, he was doing a great job of defending his head and didn't look like he was actually getting hurt by any of the strikes while Durden kind of just sat on his back. And I thought that the other two rounds were decisively in Gutierrez's favor. I was a little bit surprised when it was a draw. Mm. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting draw. I mean, you don't really see many draws kind of kick off a, uh, a fight card as well. But all in all, great card. I think our, our big winner, Derek Brunson, uh, outlasting prospect Edmund Shabazian and moving forward in the middleweight division. All right, before we get into this week's card, uh, UFC Fight Night Lewis versus Olenek, we're going to come to the uh, people's favorite segment of the week. Executive producer Kobe Kortz taking the pronunciation of the week. Kobe, in the lightweight division, Alexander Munoz will be taking on. <laughs> it looks like Munoz is fighting uh, Nasrat Hakparast. Boom! Bang. 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 So, Kobe, good work. You can mark that one as a W in the win column for uh, – for the pronunciation of the week. Now we're going to send it over to Kobe. Let's go through the main event challenge standings. Uh, we do not have last week's included, so this is going to be as of the Whitaker-Till card. Kobe, what do you got in terms of standings? Right, so Whitaker-Till fight night. We did not have that much variation. First place, Danny had 12 points over the seven main event uh, results there. I think it was the last four fights in a row, right? Yeah, you did. You had them all. Uh <laughs> Tied for second, Max and Kobe each with 10, and Reese and Parker tied for fourth with eight. So not too much variation. That brings our season totals to Kobe remaining in first place with 39, Reese second, 33, Danny 32, Max 25, and Parker, who started with uh, prior to this fight night card in tied for last place, joining on there. <laughs> He's sitting now alone in last place with 23. Um, I cannot believe yeah. I'm losing to a casual. That, that flip-flop at the Kobe end saved Kobe. Kobe was, Kobe Kobe was on um, Hill with everyone else until he flip-flopped at the last second, and that saved him the lead. Yeah, it was a good flip-flop. It was a good flip-flop. It was. It was a good flip-flop. Let's call it what it is. Yeah, and we got we, – as we said, we're going to do calendar year in terms of, uh, yeah, our standings. The winner's going to get some sort of prize as well as the Sacco for last place, which I really need a – get some insurance points uh, to stay away from. But, yeah, Kobe retains the lead in the main event challenge. Let's get right into it. Derek Lewis, Alexi Olenek, UFC Fight Night coming up this Saturday. I believe it's in the ESPN, ESPN Plus card as well. Uh, but let's get right to it. First fight of the main event in the lightweight division, Benil Dariush coming in as the minus 160 favorite, taking on Scott Holtzman, the plus 140 underdog. We're going to start it off with DK on this one. DK, who do you got, Darius or Holtzman? Can you actually repeat that number for Darius? I have minus 160 on Darius. See, see, that's exciting because I have it written down at minus 170, and I still think that that's extra low. I think that you can play this all the way up to minus 220. I think that in terms of just a pure martial artist, Darius has him beat everywhere, like including caliber of last opponent. He's better on the ground. Uh, Dariush has looked quite technical, surprisingly te technical on the feet as of late. Um, Hot Toss is looking for a war. He's a tough dude, but I see Dariush taking it, and I have this already as a, as a play. 
Um, it's actually my biggest play of the night at 4X. At all the way, you can play it all the way up to minus 210, I think. But um, anywhere in that minus 160 to minus 180 range is golden. What's your method there, Dan? Um, oh, I'm going Dariush, and I'm going to go by – I'll go by sub. Dariush by sub. Reese, who you got? Dariush? Or I do have to first? say, don't, don't oh. take the method with the prop. Just lay the money. Dariush is going to win this fight. This is a good bet. Reese, who you got? Um, you know, I also like Darius. Uh, thing about Holtzman is he's looking to stand and bang. Um, he also is ex- he's big for the division, not as far as height wise goes, but more just size in general. Um, I think the cut for him is pretty tough. Uh, I've also seen him gas out quite a few times as far as like going down that main stretch round end of round two, beginning of round three. Um, Darius is a guy that my big question mark around him was chin. How does his chin hold up? You know, he, he got KO'd by Alexander Hernandez. Um, he's had a couple other KOs on Edson Barbosa by knee, flying knee. At, that one was nasty, actually. Yeah, he shot in for yeah. a takedown. Yeah, he shot in for a takedown. Uh, Edson chucked that knee right up the middle and landed beyond flush. Um, but his most recent fights, uh, Dracar Close. Frank Camacho, was a vicious like, knockout. That was on the Adesanya Romero card. I was mm-hmm. bad. None of them are slouches. Um, so to me, uh, his chin is no longer in question. Um, he's a long time veteran of the UFC. Uh, he's fought in guys the likes of Michael Johnson, Jim Miller. I, I don't think Holtzman really thinks he's going to make him make a name for himself in this division. I think Darius wins and i also actually on my card had it by sub so i'm going darius the scary thing for me here is it does feel like uh darius is taking a little bit of a step back in terms of level mm. of competition Agreed. i don't know if he's kind of conceding already to um i know he's not quite a top 10 guy yet but if he wants to if he's maybe thinking about being a gatekeeper and already has abandoned his title hopes in this stacked division um, but definitely the Camachos and the closest and the Dobers of this world, I think, yeah. are a step above Holtzman. And- oh, they are. And, and, and Darius has been making a, making a little bit of a run since his halt. Um, he had a couple good wins. I know James Vick back in the day, who at the time uh, was a real threat for the most part. Um, I, yeah, I got, I got Darius by sub. I'm not too worried about the, the, uh, the chin, but that really is. The other thing I just want to touch on quick is my actually play for, I actually do have a play for this fight. Um, it's not either fighter, but it's actually the under two and a half rounds. I got it at even. Um, the reason why I took this is because, like I stated before, uh, Benal Darius's chin to me is the only possible thing that's really in question. His fight IQ is really not bad. He's well-rounded. He has good submission skills. Um, so his chin's what's in question for me. And then as far as Holtzman goes, what's in question for me is, will he be able to contain a high output the entire time? Um, And also, is he able to fight off that submission? So for me, uh, only one unit. It's my minimum play. Uh, But I I like the under two and a half there, just because I think they both have the ability to finish the fight. um, And I think it's harder to predict who uh, than when. So, so for me, I'm I'm going the under on that one. But uh, yeah, I like Darius by sub for the for the main event challenge reese with our use by sub as well as the under two and a half rounds 
I'm actually going to go against you on this one, Reese. Um, I am going to take Darius as well, but uh, Scott Holtzman has three losses in his career, um, all via decision. Uh, two of those coming against Josh Emmett and Drew Dover, who both are absolute power punchers as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going Darius by decision. I saw mm-hmm. that knockout over close, up, up close and personal, and uh, that was vicious. He's definitely got powerful hands, but I think Holtzman's going to have the ability to, to take this fight to the, uh, to the judges' scorecards. Kobe and Parker, who you guys got, Darius or Holtzman? Um, I'm going to roll with Darius sub. Parker's making his picks later. <laughs> and this is a good got time it. to plug. Check at AnklePickPod on Twitter. At uh, AnklePickPod on Twitter. Parker's losers. We got betting, betting lines. We got mixing up with fighters. We are looking to get some guests on, hopefully over the next couple episodes as well as we build it out. But uh, yeah, at ankle pick pod on Twitter. And then for Danny's as well at MMA capper underscore DK on Twitter. Reese, we should get you one of those. We should get you an MMA capper RP. I love that. I love that. I love that. You are I mean, a that's MMA just capper. Listeners want to make money. I mean, maybe I just run them through ankle pick. I've been a positive gambler for quite some time now. Don't listen each week to find out if I'm fucking bullshitting or not. Also yep. shameless plug, follow overtime heroics. Danny's newest writer for Overtime Heroics. If you want to learn about Bellator, listen to MMA Capper DK talking about Bellator on I don't Overtime even want to learn Heroics. about Bellator. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll move on to the next fight of the main card. In the women's bantamweight division, Yana Kunitskaya coming mm. in as the minus 230 favorite, taking on Julia. I'm going to go with Julia. Julia Stoliarenko, uh, the plus 195 underdog. Danny, you let off last time. Reese, who you got? Kunitskaya? So, uh, yeah, I got Kunitskaya. Um, she's been battle-tested for a while in the UFC. She fought for the title against uh, uh, Chris Cyborg. Cyborg. Yeah. yeah, she fought for the title against Chris Cyborg. It's not an impressive outing, but she's been battle-tested. She's had her UFC debut already. Um, I think that uh, Julia, if that's what we're going with, um, <laughs> You know, she's making her UFC debut. She leans heavy on the submission. Invicta uh, bantamweight champ. Yeah, she won by split decision. From what I saw from the tape, there was nothing that – She won by um, split decision in a war. That was a bloodbath. It was. It was a great fight. I, I taped all that uh, this week. I just – you know, there was nothing to me, and I, I don't know if anyone will disagree, but there was nothing to me that jumped off the screen as like, wow, this girl's a contender in this division. This girl's the type of girl that will sub anybody. Um, and I, I think Yana brings the size uh, and the power and the experience. That, that'll get it done. I got Yana by decision. Um, I think all girl fights, are you, you just go decision. I mean, that's the only really way. Who's <laughs> going with Yana via decision? Um, I'm going to echo that. I'm going to go Yana by decision as well. I think just the level of competition and the, uh, the title experience, albeit coming in a uh, losing fashion, Yana by decision. DK. Um, yeah, I definitely want to echo the level of competition that Yana had is definitely a higher caliber. Also coming out of Jackson Wink, um, she's definitely going to be expected to have a better fight IQ than Julia. Um, the one thing to note that I know that Reese said she was a submission specialist, but to be more specific, she's an armbar specialist. It's almost similar to Ronda Rousey. Um, four of her last five wins are all armbar taps. And not to get too into the weeds, I know that I'm terrible at women's MMA and it's all a little bit of a toss-up. But if you go back and you look at 
the last four fights that Yana didn't win. It was she got knocked out by Aspen Ladd. She got knocked out ground and pound by Cyborg. But then it's a armbar from Tanya Evinger. It's an armbar from Zyra Dyskova, and it's a rear naked choke from Tanya Evinger. I would be I this is definitely a no bet for me. But if you're trying to play Yana, I'd be very worried about her getting caught in an armbar. Um, yeah, the game, I'm gonna be pretty white bread. I'm going Yana decision. Yeah, but um, Julia no, has some cool arm bars. You're right on. Do not by any means play Yana right here. I mean, 220 is way too steep of a line, especially for a fight that realistically could go anyway. Um, I'm leaning Yana just from the experience and the striking advantage. I think the experience will allow it to stay on the feet. Um, but if this ended by armbar wouldn't be surprised in the slightest it definitely lay off from this one uh, but for the game's sake i think yeah i'm i'm, I'm definitely on yana it's mm-hmm. just when you look at the stylistic matchup and you look at the experience that's what leads me to yana but if you told me you know you could see the future you said julia wins by sub i wouldn't be surprised at all you know both the former is, uh, and big champs yeah. so their, their entrance into the ufc albeit at different time periods but it's mm-hmm. it's very much the same path. Mm-hmm. So we all have Yana by decision. Kobe, who you got? Clean sweep here. Yana Kunitskaya by decision. Yana by decision. No one going with Julia by armbar there. I'm honestly thinking about it. We will see. As we said uh, in previous episodes, as long as your picks are in before the fight begins. So if you reach out to Kobe and want to switch your picks, uh, you may. I don't think any of us have, but. I'm thinking about a little Julia uh, submission armbar action. I'm thinking about it. Steal some points there, especially with the bottom of that leaderboard. Yeah, Yeah, with the bottom. Hail Mary. Isn't um, doesn't Yana Kunitskaya? Isn't she married to Tiago Santos? Or am I completely off? I cannot. I I have no that I can. Yeah, I do not know that. You can look that one up though, DK, for sure. I think the. uh, I won't lie to y'all. Do you think that? (laughs) Do you think that like fighter couples are like super weird or like? Do you think every time that they like get on top of each other it's like oh like he's passing guard i, I better throw up a triangle like <laughs> <laughs> that i cannot uh, can you imagine the means. amount of like jujitsu moves that are being done in the beds of um I, <laughs> either way i've looked i'm on wikipedia right now not that's like the fucking source of all sources but it does not say anything about a relationship with Tiago santos interesting all right let's move uh, it on it could be right the next fight of the main card, we got Darren Stewart taking on Maki Patolo. Uh, Stewart coming in as the minus 180 favorite. Maki Coconut Bombs Patolo coming in as the plus 160 underdog. I got to take this one first. I ain't saying too much about this one. Coconut Bombs by KO. DK. Live dog. Live dog. Live dog. Um, yeah, so I know that our residents, Resident Casual is sensitive about his parlay with the Charles Bird loss still and the Maki Patolo. Um, I definitely thought the Patolo was going to get out grappled there, and it, it was kind of a back-and-forth grappling first round, and then the second Patolo just put it on him and put him out, landed that elbow. Um, Stewart is thunderous hands. He's got a great chin, huge power, but he can gas if he overextends. Um Maki Patolo uh, used to fight at 170, now at 185, so he should have the speed advantage. He 
uses kind of a steady volume of strikes. And I do think that if he's – I think that if he's able to push the pace here, he'll get the octagon control and he'll get the, the favor of the judges. But I am worried about the power from Stewart. Um, so I, think that, I think that for my pick, I'm going to go with live dog Patolo by, deci- by decision. Um, I think he'll, he'll set the pace and kind of keep Stewart backing up. And although we know Stewart has a bunch of power, I don't know. I just don't know if it'll land. Bye. And going with Patolo by decision, following my lead. Reese, so you got Patolo Stewart. I'm able to pick up some free points here. Uh, I'm going Stewart. Um, and I'm actually pretty confident on this one. This is one of my other bats of the night. I actually, this is my biggest bet of the night. Uh, I got two units on Darren Stewart. I think that Danny touched on the fact that he's used to fighting at 170. Patolo is. Um, I think moving up to 185 and fighting a guy like Darren Stewart, who will have, in my opinion, the size advantage, uh, not only in strength, uh, in height, but also in strength. Um, I think he's going to be able to control the grappling. Um, he'll be able to get takedowns at will and really just control this fight. Um, uh, the line was at 170, and I was actually comfortable laying it there. It's faded all the way down to 145. Um, luckily, I have not placed yet. Um, but I'm I'm risking two units, Darren Stewart, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go by decision. But I I wouldn't be surprised if he won it uh, by you know TKO with ground and pound or or something like that. Um, Patola is not a, a slouch by any means. I just think that, and, and the thing that I need to, I need to emphasize here is you don't know what Darren Stewart you're going to get. You look at his record and you know, you're like, man, he's got some great wins. And then you're like, whoa, but he also lost to that guy. You know, you're like, how, how does this man perform different, differently based on whatever night it is? You, you know, it's a roll of the dice with Darren Stewart. Um, but I think that size, his grappling ability, and his clinch ability will take will take him to the next level. Um, and I'm actually laying two units on on uh, Stewart here, minus one forty five. So I got to buy units. decision, Kobe. But I do think Stewart I do think that as much as I mentioned that Maki used to fight at one seventy, he's always been a natural uh, middleweight. He I know I watched an interview where he's saying he's always walked around at like two fifteen, and and so it's. It's more so that he was killing himself with that weight cut to 170. But you don't think that there's going to be a size different come fight night? I mean, there could I do. Be I do think that there's going to be a bigger size different than the Charles Bird fight. Like, yeah. I think that Darren Stewart's going to come in bigger than Maki. But I, I think Maki's gotten is he's no, no slouch with his takedown defense, and he proved like I thought that he was going to get ragdolled by Charles Bird. Who, I could be wrong. I could. It could be the other way. But I think Charles Bird beat Darren did he or no I think no, he, lost he lost to Darren he Darren lost to Bull. Beat he lost to Charles Bull. Bird yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah but in Dallas Texas of all places I definitely thought that Maki was going to get out wrestled there and forgetting the second round the first round he proved me wrong he was getting the sweeps um I think he ended on his back but he did impress me with his ability to grapple yeah, I, and you know, the Charles Bird fight, if you tape, I'm not that anyone listening is going to tape those two, but that really shows how each of them faced a similar opponent. Um, I just think, you know, Darren Stewart, to me, he's four and five in the UFC. Um, he's faced all different caliber types of fighters. I just think that the size 
And when you look at Darren Stewart, you lo- he likes to fight primarily out of the clinch, really good elbows, um, can transition that into takedowns. I just think that although I wanted to say TKO, I really think that a decision where you see a guy, you know, dominating him in the clinch, taking him down, um, landing harsh elbows in full guard, I, I just think Darren Stewart kind of, you know, takes this fight where he wants to, and Patolo is going to need to adapt to that. And I just at the minus one forty five, I'm very very happy laying Darren Stewart there. I see where you're coming from. The reason it was a no yeah. bet for me, um, Stewart, he just looked a little stiff. I, I get that if he yeah. does push the fight to where he wants it, I do think he'll be able to win this. I don't know if he will. I, I think yeah, no, Stewart's a let Maki dictate the pace, and that's going to give yeah. Maki. And Stewart most Stewart's recently definitely... fighting in Cage Warriors too. I mean, Stewart took a little bit of a hiatus to fight in Cage well, that Warriors was, in late March. That was a UFC well, fight. Was, it yeah. was a, was a like fight. the um, but, as Leon Edwards knows, the London event got canceled, and so none yeah. of the guys could come in overseas. These were two guys. Bartos Fabinski had a different opponent um, on the same card, and they were just. Cage Warriors, since it's broadcast on UFC Fight Pass, they were like, oh, we'll yeah. throw this UFC fight on our main event. And yeah, that was 100% be... a COVID-related issue. I actually lost money there. I laid Darren Stewart there. The thing is, is you don't know what Darren Stewart you're going to get. And I've noticed that for his ent- entirety of him in the UFC. Um, but Patolo, you know, he's a Dana White Tuesday contender, contender vet. He leans on his striking a little bit. And I think that the problem is when you lean on your striking and you're undersized, that means Darren Stewart has the ability to control what he wants to do within this fight. So if Patolo's looking to stand and fight at range, Darren Stewart, because he has the size and the strength, can make it a clinch battle. He can make it a ground battle if he'd like to. Um, and so that that's why I personally, from all my taping this week, I decided to lay two units on Stewart. I think that he's going to be able to uh, dictate where he wants this to go. I think he'll be able to dictate what he wants to do in this fight. Um, and I think he has the edge almost everywhere except striking. But unless Darren Stewart comes out with the worst game plan of all time and, just try, and decides to try to stand and bang with this guy, uh, I think it's his fight to lose. And, and so that's why I'm going Stewart by decision. Reese going with Stewart. Danny and I going Maki. It's definitely a hard, it's definitely a hard fight to pick. Yeah. yeah. Kobe, who you got? Yeah, all that in-depth analysis I, I, I do appreciate. But MMA Capper DK referenced my failed parlay back from US, UFC 250. So I feel like Maki owes me one. I'm still going to fade Maki. I'm going uh, <laughs> by decision. Kobe going with the reverse, reverse psychology, I believe, on that. Going Darren Stewart by decision. We have a little split there, boys. Uh, we'll, we'll be interested to see what Parker goes with. Uh, Kobe, uh, we're going to entrust your uh, auditing judgment to ensure that Parker's picks are placed in a highly regulated environment prior to fight time. Uh, but we're excited to see those. All right, boys. The co-main event, big, big fight at middleweight. Former champion Chris Weidman coming in, I believe, as a minus 140 favorite, taking on up-and-comer Omari Akhmedov, the, the plus 110 underdog. Reese, you're up. Who you got? Weidman or Akhmedov? I actually don't have Omari as an up-and-comer. Uh, he's been battle-tested in a while for the UFC. He's had a lot of tough opponents. Uh, if you go and look at his uh, previous fights and previous records, I mean, he is, he's fought the best of the best. Here's the thing. He's fought the best of the best at 170. And, you know, he's 20 and four. He fights out of ATT. Um, but the key thing that I really want to harp on is he's six foot and comfortable at 170. 
And I think with this COVID and these short notice fights and the worry about scrapping, whatever, people are uh, more prone to fight out of their weight class. Is he ATT? I thought he was DAG fighter. I had ATT. I had ATT. I think he moved. Feel free to check me on that. He is I, ATT. I, Good call. He's, a, he's ATT. I was he pretty goes sure MMA ATT. with Khabib going to ATT. You don't see that very often. I thought he was ATT because I know Khabib's AKA. Um, but I yeah, thought, but I'm saying in Dagestan though equals MMA. No, but I thought yeah. Amari, I thought Amari was ATT as far as the states go. He is. Uh, yeah. Okay. So he's he's ATT, but he fights he fights at 170. And Chris Weidman, um, here's the thing, and this is glaring. And and I'm mind you, I do have a play for this fight. So uh, this is this is real talk right here. Weidman's biggest concern, if you look at his last five fights, is chin. It's KO, TKO, every single loss. Every one. Um, and for me, I go, okay, that's something that concerns me. However, he's fighting guys, big 185ers. You know, I mean, he's fighting guys that have a lot of power in their punches. Dominic Reyes comes to mind. Um, he that fought Jacare Souza. That's two. Oh, that's two hundred five. You're right, which makes it even more so. So you have a guy who fought at two hundred five for two, two fights. Or no, Jacare was eighty five. So he fought Reyes at two hundred five. He fought Souza at eighty five. Gaslam at eighty five. Musasi before he left to Bellator at eighty five. Yoel at eighty five. And Rockle did all eighty five. All those <laughs> he got smoked by Kale. So I I can see where you'd be like, okay, his chin is questionable at best. But now you got a guy who reasonably could fight at 205, fighting a guy who, for most of his career, if not all of his career, has fought at 170. Um, and when you look at fight IQs, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not splitting hairs here, but Weidman's fought the best of the best. So I actually have Weidman for two units um, at minus 130 is the line I got. I know he's minus 140. Now I ripped him at the dirty 130. Um, that gave me a semi-chub at the time, seeing him minus 130 against a fucking welterweight. Uh, but so I got Weidman. I'm going to go by decision just because it's three rounds, um, and I think Weidman's going to f- use his wrestling to his advantage. Uh, I don't foresee him getting clipped. Uh, so I, I think that he's just going to grind it out on the, uh, on the ground uh, and win by a pretty easy decision, 30-27, don't quote me. Uh, but I got, I got risk two units on Weidman minus 130. Um, but yeah, so I got for the, for the main event challenge, Mr. Kobe, I got uh Weidman by decision. Reese going Weidman via decision and a nice two unit play on that as well. Um, I'm also going to follow lead on that and I'm going to go Weidman as well. I'm actually going to go by KO here. Um, mm. it's been a long, long time wow. since he had a KO, long, long time since he had a KO. But if you look at Akhmedov's losses in the UFC, um, Easy Dos Santos, Sergio Moraes, as well as Gunnar Nelson, all via finish, and the last two via strikes. Yeah, I think Weidman, I listened to Ray Longo uh, speak on the Anakin Florian podcast each week, and he is fired up about Chris. Um, as we've seen, COVID, guys are in different types of shape, body shape, than they were prior. Um, most, most definitely on Weidman's behalf as well, coming from light heavyweight, uh, where he did fight Dominic Reyes. I'm going Weidman, I'm going by knockout. Danny. Okay, this is the one where I smile at y'all and I make my money while you lose. Wow. Let's, let's start for a second. I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here because I it. think that Chris Weidman is the single most overrated champion in UFC history. 
Let's start with his entrance into the UFC. The guy who the guy who's thrown arguably the greatest champion in UFC history. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Let's talk about both of those. Let's talk about both of those. All right. So he comes in and goes on a quick five and zero stint. Like whatever. But let's be honest. His most impressive win in that five and zero stint was a decision over Damian Maya. Split, by the way. Then he goes into the Anderson Silva fight, who was the most dominant champ at the time, longest reign, whatever. Anderson. Hardly trained for that fight. He's been talk- He's talked about how he didn't take Chris seriously. He was sitting there with his hands down showboating when he got caught. Twice in a row. Twice. First time he was sitting there showboating. The second time okay. he broke his leg. He, the, the second time was even bigger of a fluke. These are the two flukiest championship so wins fluke. ever. And then, okay, and then he goes and he beats up an old aging out Leota Machida, followed by a post-TRT Vitor Belfort. Everyone beat beat Vitor Belfort post-TRT. Leota was not aging out in 2014. Get out of here. Okay, Leota Machida was. No, he totally was. Kidding me? He was like fucking in his mid thirties. He's pr- not prime. He's just he's just on the rise. I'm told well, we got hot takes on Weidman here. I feel like there's either no, 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 a beef, no. a couple lost parlays. The card. He has he has like three career wins since then. Whatever. We don't have to talk about that. Moving on, Chris Weidman then gets knocked the fuck out by Luke Rockhold. Knocked the fuck out by Yoel Romero. He looked terrible against Gegard Musasi. Get, he gets a win over Kelvin Gastelum, who we've talked about in past episodes, and we don't we don't need to go into the skill level of that opponent. Then he gets knocked the fuck out again by Ronald's Ronaldo Jacare Souza. A guy loses in four of his last five fights. He looks himself hard in the mirror and he says, "You know what? I can't cut it at this division. I have to go up and try my hand at 205. Maybe make a resurgence." You know what happens when he goes up to 205? He gets knocked the fuck out again. And he, you know what he decides to do? Oh, like, let's just forget that happened. Go back down to 185. You know what that's actually doing? It's just giving you that brutal weight cut again. The weight cut that you decided that you were done with, that you didn't want to do to compete. Now that you have that again, you think you're just going to do better? In that- you got a guy You got a guy at 185. You got a guy at 185, um, and Omari Akimedo, um, who has not fought at 170, since 2016, I think. Okay. Since Al Rockel That's fine. He's been that's a 185 fine. or beating that's Tim Boach, beating Zach no, Cummins, beating Ian Heinrich. Okay. Tim, dude, Tim Boach, you're talking about Loyola Machida being washed up. Loyola oh, Machida is a guy. Tim Boach. <laughs> no, Tim Boach is a guy who's throwing haymakers at fucking 39 years old trying to fucking knock somebody out by luck. Marvin Vittori draws a good fight. Zach Cummins is fucking washed up as all hell. Ian Heinrich is an up and coming fighter. You look at a guy like Chris Weidman, who doesn't only have the mental, but he also has the physical. And I think he's going to be bigger, not only in stature, but also in weight. And I think that Weidman's going to be able to take this fight where he wants to. I think he's going to be able to dictate this fight how he wants to. And I think that you're going to see a totally different Weidman than the guy who's been KO'd. I, I, I think that you're going to see a guy who doesn't want that massive weight cut that has no other choice. A guy that is so okay. like so obsessed this. with his pedigree as the all-american who the fuck gave him that nickname like he's the most overrated champion in ufc history love this i love Which is this great danny danny I the one point this. i have to bring here is i totally see the validity and your hatred over weidman but weidman there's no hatred i, I just weidman's, recognizing that he's overrated same that i was recognizing top. that till wasn't a, like a, a proven yeah. 185er 
But Weidman's level of competition, Omari Akhmedov is probably at the level of competition last seen by Weidman in like 2010. This is going to be Weidman's worst loss of his career. This is going to be the worst loss of his career. Mark my words. Are you you more or less predicting that if he loses this fight, could he be done in the UFC? I think he's done. I think he should be done regardless. I'm hoping that he wins so he finally walks away. I think he's just been You're fucking clinging on to the, I've been clinging okay. on to the last thread of like his You're career, thinking that he has a chance. He's got no shot at either division. You're he's crazy. 36 years old. No, listen. I've been watching Weidman before I even had hair on my goddamn nutsack. The man could wrestle like a fucking freak. And he's okay? going to out-wrestle this Dagestani? Oh, yeah. No, oh, good plan. Give me the neck beard. Give me the wrestler. Oh, right yeah. Now, book it right now. I had two units. I have I have two units on Omari Akhmedov. I was gonna place it at minus one fifteen, but it's trending in the right direction, so you can wait on up that. It. Shiner, up it. I'm gonna go three units. Three Weidman. units. Weidman minus minus one thirty, which is what I got it. I only placed two units. I'm about to place another because Danny's fucking running his mouth. Here's the thing: you don't understand. People are counting Weidman out, even though Danny thinks he's the most. What do you mean? He's an even money. Champion. He is the he's even money. No one's counting him out. Are you, dude, are you kidding me? You're counting him out for the first off. Yeah, I'm counting faded. him out. The line faded from 175 all the way down to 130. That's called counting people out, okay? And here's mm. the thing you don't understand. Everyone's questioning his chin. The thing is, is a guy like Akhmedov is not looking to knock you out. Right? Nah, looking, looking to knock like, him out. No, and I'm not worried about this, that. He's looking here. He's looking here to play into Weidman's game. And here's the thing. Weidman's a bigger man. And Okay, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to – just set the stage here for a quick second. I don't want to buy too much into this. But when you're looking at the UFC and you're looking at the guys that are this talented as far as striking and grappling and wrestling and ground game goes, the number one dictator is and how the fight's going to go is size and weight. And you can look at it as the weight, the people who miss weight statistics. The people who miss weight win 70% of the time. Why? Because even if they're equal skill, the different weight makes up the difference. And that's the thing. When you have a guy who just fought at 205 coming all the way down to 185 and a guy who, although he used to fight at 170, is going to move up to 185. I know he's fought at 185 the last couple of times. I'm just saying that he's six foot 185 or 6'2", 185. One guy could easily fight at 205. The other guy could easily make 170. There's going to be a, a size. Easily make 170 is not true. He had to move up three years ago for a reason. I don't know. When was the last time that – Luke, or that uh, Chris Weidman impressed you in any way, shape, or form? It, it's been a while, but I know what his intangibles are. I know what he brings to the table. And I know you look at a guy, you're like, okay, he's 36. He has a wrestling background. He's been knocked out five times in his last – or four times in his last five fights or five times in his last six. It's been five times in his last six. The thing is, is that I think that people are overlooking that the talent slash size differential he's going to have coming into this fight. And that single-handedly is why I'm laying this line. Because at first glance, if I'm a casual, I rip Mario Akhmedov all day long. Because I don't – Okay, this means 20 and 4. I see it the other way, and that's why that – that's why – By name, but listen, look at a guy who's 20 and 4, fights out of ATT, has beaten – incredible names you look at the names that amari akhmedov has beaten and let's say you just look at his last you know five fights he's beaten ian ian heinish at 185 zach cummins who although i don't think he's that you know astounding he's a name at 185 tim boach old school still a name 
draw with Marvin Vittori, which in my opinion was his best fight. And he ate some knees in that one. He did, but Marvin Vittori is a guy that I think beat Izzy. So we can take that in there. But, you know, he fought Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, Ezekiel Dos Anjos. He lost at 170 there. Um, but that, but that's the point is he he's not a guy who hasn't been battle tested. You're not looking at Omari and you're like, okay, this guy. He's a battle tested guy who hasn't lost since 2016 versus sure. a battle tested guy with no chin who hasn't won sure. since 2017. Sure. All right, give up. Give give a guy who's cutting from 205 down to 185 versus a guy who's bulking up for 185. You're gonna see that. Listen, they're listen, both 185 ers This stint that this stint that. Weidman took see. it 205 is so irrelevant. Listen, he got his listen, ass whooped and listen, realized he had to go back listen, to the drawing board. Listen, go back to see. cutting weight. Listen, you'll see the size difference comes fight night. Come fight night, you're going to be like... I'm and how that size difference worked for you in the Till Whitaker bout. You're going to be like, no, not even size difference. Till Whitaker, those, Whitaker moved, Till moved up. I took, I took Till based on chin. Listen to this. You're going to sit there on fight night, come weigh-ins, and you're going you're gonna to sit back. You're going to pour yourself the fattest whiskey meat i've ever seen and you're gonna sit there and be like holy shit and i'm gonna Weidman. watch no. omari akmedov no. wrestle fuck chris no. weidman into no. the floor you think our, you think omari akmedov is gonna out wrestle weidman i I'm think done. he can I'm see done. that's the next thing fight. i think he can next fight next fight next fight next fight Danny, what's your message? What's when, your message when is victory? weidman impressed you ever when has he impressed you ever dude you're looking at an all-american wrestler and you think some devastating <laughs> fuck who can come in here at 170 is going to out-wrestle the bigger man? Yeah, bigger I do. Man? Yes, I do. Okay, podcast right now. Dagestani fuck. Make Looks that a quote, like by the way. Dagestani fuck. Give me no, all the Dagestani no. fucks that can podcast, wrestle. Podcast right now. Book it right now. If, if Akhmedov beats Chris Weidman, I am aimed to do a punishment on the offset chance that if Weidman beats Akhmedov, Danny does the same fucking thing. All right. All right. All right. I'll so take the have... underdog in that. We That's have cool to the end of the episode. Because you're so wrong. You're <laughs> so wrong. And I need you to learn that. Let's come on, Shiner. Bring it. As bring Shiner, it, Shiner. As the moderator, come up with a come up with this. This line's pretty close to PK. Come up with something where the loser has to do something fucking miserable. Because I want Danny to fucking learn his lesson about guys who are undersized coming into UFC fights. And yeah, what happened in the Evloev Grundy fight that you capped three weeks ago? The undersized wrestler kicked his ass. Oh right, yeah. We'll wait till this week. All Let's right, go. we will have we'll have a punishment. Let's go for this week. Come up, come up with a punishment. Danny, Follow us on Twitter. Let's go. Translation was your method. Um. All right, I'll go decision. I'd, I'm playing. I'm playing Akhmedov two units. By the way, sorry. Yeah, and I'm playing Weidman three units. So everyone who's ever listened to this pod ever knows the right move. Continue. Yeah, I'm riding Akhmedov decision. I ride with my uh. Akhmedov decision. Go. All right. So it looks like we might have a two on two little little soiree here all right last but not least main event of the evening big fight at heavyweight two ufc vets both guys kind of with their interesting own style personality and mantra that they bring to the octagon we got Derek lewis Derek the black beast on instagram one of the best instagram pages on the entire app coming in as a minus 190 favorite taking on alexi the boa constrictor they should just name the Ezekiel choke the Olenek choke at this point. The plus 155 underdog. Reese, who you got? Lewis, Olenek, Method, why? Before I jump into this at all, I cannot express enough that this is an absolute no bet, stay away, 
run for the hills before you even think about betting anything. Because Lewis, so Olenek is an old-ass fuck who's had a million fights. And as we've seen in previous fights before, touch of a button can fucking fold like a goddamn lawn chair. So stay away. I literally cannot emphasize that enough. Stay away. However, when I when Lewis fought DC for the title, which I he got two lucky decisions, uh, or not lucky decisions, but he you know he beat Volkov by last second TKO after getting dominated, um, and got a, a random decision against Ngana that was the worst fight I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, I I took DC because I knew DC would be able to dominate that and take it where he wants to. Um, Olenek ten years ago wins this fight all day long. <laughs> okay, he wins this fight without a doubt. Um, he can he can hang in there with the best of them. However, if you go back, you watch the Walt Harris fight. He got absolutely fucking smoked. <laughs> you watch the Overeem fight. He hung in there, but again, TKO. Curtis Blades. TKO. You look at a guy who. His submission skills are second to none in the heavyweight division. Um, I think if it was just a jiu-jitsu rolling competition, I'd take Olenek versus anyone in the heavyweight division. But when you're 43, you fought, you know, 70-plus fights, your chin is taking a toll on you. And I think as the undersized um, fighter, uh, I think that if this fight goes outside three rounds – Olenek probably wins. Olenek probably submits the fat, the fat tub of lard. However, um, I think that, you know, I think Derek Lewis is probably going to get the better of him. Um, he's significantly younger, significantly more powerful, has a better chin. Um, is, I think, I mean, let's say Derek cuts to 165 or 265 to make weight. Olenek is going to win at 235. So he's got a 35-pound difference. If at the very least coming into fight night, um, I, I'm going to take Lewis by KOTKO. And I hate doing it because I love Olenek. Uh, but you're just looking at a guy who's, who's old, uh, relies so much on submission, and, and his entire game plan is based on the fact that can he get Derek Lewis, who's 40 pounds heavier, down to the ground? Um, and, you know, that'll, that'll be seen. Do not bet this fight. Both of them have a million different ways to win this one. Uh, but I, I think for this game, I'm, I'm going to take Derek Lewis. Um, it's a no bet for me, but Derek Lewis by TKO KO. Reese going with Lewis via strikes. Reese, I'm going to echo you. I'm also going to go Lewis by KO. I actually might bet this as well. Uh, the Black Beast coming in hot with the strikes because uh, his balls are hot. But I mean, I think the, the best the best factoid of this entire fight is is the Alexio Linick professional MMA record, and we can imagine that this guy's probably had a hundred other types of fights as well. But he's coming in at a rock solid fifty nine thirteen and one. I mean, only guy to have fought in all four decades. True, the nineties through now as well. DK, good good call, on that. But yeah, uh, maybe even the eighties, two thousand. He did have no, a he had a, maybe he had a mixed not, martial arts fight in 1996 in Kharkiv, Ukraine, in the Minamoto Cup. If you want to look that up, um, but yeah, so I'm going Lewis. I think Olenek has withstanded um, and been able to tap out a couple of his last opponents. He has gotten some wins to kind of keep his career going, um, but every time he's run into uh, an elite striker who's had 
really kind of high level of competition and, and title title fight experience as well. Um, it has not ended well for Olenek. I'm going Black Beast. Could be early, I think, too. If he hits, if he lands one clean on Olenek, uh, he could be going to bed very quick. Lewis by KO, and I think I'm going to bet it too. DK, who you got, Lewis or Olenek? Yeah, I, I definitely echo a lot of the things y'all have been saying. Um, the bow constrictors obviously got the advantage on the mat. Um, Derek Lewis obviously has the power advantage. Um, Olenek has gotten knocked out, as Reese mentioned, by Walt Harris, Overeem, all the big power hitters in the heavyweight division. Um, Derek Lewis fits right in there. Derek Lewis is definitely not a great grappler, but one thing I will say from studying or watching his film, it's it's uncanny almost. One thing I'll say is that if this fight does go to the ground, I don't recommend it, – it's weird. I Derek Lewis is the only guy I've seen film on that – it's, it feels like when he, someone's inside control on him, it, he has all the control on his back because of the distribution of, distribution of weight. I think it's super advantageous for people to kind of wait in his half guard and not pass, even though like passing is the obvious move. But Derek Lewis's ability to explode off of his back when his opponent has him inside control is super unique and something that jumped off the screen when I was filming, which I thought was weird. I think it's going to be tough for the 43-year-old Boa Constrictor to keep him down if it does get there. That being said, I would not be surprised if this fight ended quick with a, a clinch and a Ezekiel choke right off the bat. Like When they're dry, Alexei Olenek could pull off a weird thing that's why I think that my only play in this one is maybe an inside the distance. I, I haven't looked at the number, but um, it definitely feels like yeah, five Lewis, rounds. Yeah, five it rounds. Definitely five feels guys. like Lewis can put him out at any point, and I would not be surprised if I was looking at the results on Saturday night and Olenek put him out with a choke right so, away. So, so fight doesn't go to the decision is minus six seventy five. Yeah. Oh god, that's just yeah, terrible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Should that's we tough. should we sprinkle a little bit on the decision? Maybe like the uh the Lewis plus four fifty. Was it the Lewis and Ganu fight that nothing happened in? Yeah. Was that was a yeah. That yeah. was a fight that I literally jerked off to for four and a half weeks thinking that it's gonna be an absolute bloodbath. And I sat there and they threw fucking twenty total punches. Not they to mention Latifi down. and even off the Latifi and even off fights that Derek Lewis is coming off of both went to decisions. Yeah. And I thought I mean, they were both close. It's possible. Were any of those five? None of those were five rounders, though. No. No five rounders. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I definitely don't weigh the, the minus six, two, 670 or whatever. Um, I just think that both of them are so capable of ending it in their respective means. And they're finishers. Yeah. They're both yeah. finishers, too. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But again, yeah, I'm going, I'm, I'm echoing y'all. I'm going Black Beast by TKO. Um, not a lot of variation not, this week from the boys. I'm not very – I'm really not confident on it, though. It's definitely a no bet yeah, for no, me. No, I was at no the Latifi bet. fight, yeah. and I judged it for Latifi. That was one of the weird Houston home cooking things. And mm. the Evenoff fight, I even judged for Evenoff. Like, if I if I was – if I was um, Derek Lewis's last two judges, he'd be on a four-fight losing streak. No, that's what I was saying. Something that comes to Derek Lewis – so I actually risked uh, 2500 to win – 500 i think uh on daniel cormier when he fought uh derrick lewis and the reason being is because i think derrick lewis when you look at his resume is someone who's benefited more than anyone from dumb luck so for example when you look at the marcin tibera win 
KO. He was getting dominated the entire time. And he gets a lucky KO punch in the third round. You're like, all right. Or not lucky. I don't want to say lucky. But he gets a KO punch in the third round. You're like, okay. He, he would have lost the decision. You know, props to him. Okay. Then you go to Ngannou. They total, they total, they throw a total of like twenty five strikes, and the judges are like both. He of was them, so both, scared in that fight. Oh my person, god! Not only did Ngannou lose, Derek Lewis lost. The judges lost, but I also lost because my time was wasted. But, but at the end of the day, you look and you go, okay, a judge has to pick someone. They picked Derek Lewis for whatever fucking unknown reason. Okay, so people are starting to build behind this guy. He loses every round to Volkanovski until seven seconds, and or nine Volkov, seconds. Volkov, right? Volkov, Volkov. Sorry, lose. He he's basically he lost every round to Volkov, and then gets and then tags him with eleven seconds left or whatever it is, and you go. Okay. Has quarter of the night that night though. He's quarter of the night for sure. He's a monster in the post interviews. But you look at his fights and you're like, okay, questionable W, questionable W, questionable W, three in a row. So he's going into Cormier, and you're like, okay, this guy has zero ground game ability. Zero. Um, has knockout power for sure, but if a guy has any sort of fight IQ, he'll be able to combat it, stay at range, um, work the low, lower calf kick to, you know, uh, remove some of the power, uh, bring the fight to the ground. Obviously lost to Cormier, not surprised. Fights JDS, who, to me, gave up to DeSanos before he gave up – or not. JDS, he gave up to Nganu before he actually got tagged. You look at that fight, and uh, JDS didn't want to be there. Nganu was trying to make quick work, and it happened just like that. But you look at a guy like Derek Lewis, and I think he is, and Danny was saying earlier that Chris Weidman is the most overhyped champion. I know Derek Lewis has never been a champion, whatever. I think Derek Lewis is one of the most overrated fighters in the UFC. I like him as a personality. I think he's hilarious in the post. Why, then why are you taking him tonight? You just went over good – I'm taking four or five him. minutes I'm, on it. Listen, yeah, I'm taking the boa constrictor's forty three. That boom, Danny Drogo. I'm taking it because the boa constrictor's forty three years old. He he primarily loses by TKO KO, and I think that if Derek Lewis gets one singular punch on him, that could end the night. But I am, and I cannot emphasize this enough to any single soul who's listening to this: do not bet this fight. Okay, because Derek Lewis could tag him with a fucking straight left or an overhand right, and it could be get lights out 45 seconds in. But I also would be equally unsurprised if Alexio Linux subs him in the first 30 seconds. You know, it, 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 it's two guys who are extremely on the polar opposites of technique and skill set, and it's which one beats one. Does the striker beat the grappler? Does the grappler? Does the subspecialist beat the striker? Who knows? Um, don't bet this fight. Uh, I think both of them um, have their ups and their downs. Uh, but I just I look at Derek Lewis as a guy, and I think that this Alexi Olenek fight's not the best example, but he's someone that in the future I'll definitely fade on this pod. Because I, I do want to say I'm excited to see how Derek Lewis looks in shape. We've never seen mm-hmm. him in shape, and he's been looking real yep. good. I know, but what is he going to weigh in at? That's the question. I, I think he was going to weigh in around like – 245, 250, lightest if he his career. Weighs in a, if, he weigh, if he weighs in at 245, we have a totally different Derek Lewis. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. I just – I want to believe it when I see it because he's the type of guy that eats chicken wings three minutes before a fight, you know, and gets stomach mm-hmm. cramps against Zach Brown. It's crazy – or Travis Brown. It's crazy. 
it's great. Zach Brown's a great country artist, by the way. <laughs> but, but Travis Brown, he fights Travis Brown on short notice. He's holding his stomach the whole fucking night because he has to take a fucking grumper. And it's all because he ate chicken wings five, 15 minutes before the fight. It's, I mean, you can't even make this shit up. I mean, the guy doesn't – the guy – okay, the guy spent time in prison. He literally is the definition of a guy who's like, let's go in the fucking driveway and let's brawl. You know, I mean, he doesn't plan much. He doesn't think much. He's not that. He's just like, let's go. Let's fight. I'm a fighter. Let's fight. And I love it. I absolutely love it. I, I just look at a guy like Olenek who's more on the technical side. If it gets to the ground, it's Olenek's fight. If it doesn't get to the ground, it's, it's Lewis's fight. It's a, no, it's a no bet for me because it, either of them can win in so many ways. You think that Olenek can keep him on the ground, though? So that's something interesting. I don't think he necessarily can keep him on the ground. I think that as the fight progresses and as Olenek kind of wears on him a little bit, I think that uh, Lewis notoriously doesn't have the stamina that you'd like to see. I actually saw him against JDS live in Wichita. Don't ask why. Um, But he he really gave that fight away. He had it, and he literally was just like, I don't even want to be here. I want to collect my paycheck. I want to move on. And And I don't hate him for that. I don't. Um, I just think that if Olenek is trying to grind on him, um, I think I think Derek Lewis not only would be quick to tap, um, but I just think that although I'm picking uh, Lewis for the challenge, I I, I think that Olenek's going to be able could grind him out for sure. I feel the I, same way. The yeah, longer yeah. that this fight goes, the worse it is. I don't for... know if you I don't know if you saw something on tape that made you think that. Derek Lewis was going to bring something as far as like explosiveness goes, you know, and, and you might have. Um, I just I just noticed that it was a weird thing. I noticed that he was almost like coaxing people to pass his like when, once they passed his full guard and got the half. He hates when people are in his half guard and loves when people are in his side control. It's a weird thing that I've never seen. And the, I, I don't know why it jumped off the screen. You've been giving him credit for knowing. I, it's not that he doesn't know that much. It's just that it's like I look at a guy like Derek Lewis, and even when I listen to his interviews and stuff, it, he sounds like a guy who's like, let's just brawl. Let's fight. Let's have a jail yard fight. Let's just fuck shit up and go at it. And it's like, I don't even think when I look when you look at the technicals as far as going from full guard to half guard to full mount or side control and, and trying to avoid submissions. Like, I don't think Derek Lewis, and again, I, I, I don't know what he thinks through. I don't know what his camp works on. I just don't, he doesn't strike me as a guy who really thinks through all that. He strikes me as a guy who's like, let's stand our feet, let's stand and bang. Um, I'll grind out ride, rounds if you take me to the ground, you know? And so, so that's what, that's what worries me about him. I definitely don't bet Olenek here by any means. Um, it's just more of like, uh, you know, who is going to be able to dictate this fight or cater this fight to what they're trying to accomplish? It's really who's going to be the victor. And I think, yeah, you yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see as well. I mean, there's a potential straddle play here as well, going Olenek via sub and Lewis via KO. But I believe mm. the odds might not dictate that strategy being. Uh, Do you know what those in- odds are? I don't. I know Bovada d- does not release their prop bet odds until I believe weigh-ins. So, so we're gonna get we're gonna get on that. It. Okay, so Olenek by sub is plus two twenty, which is interesting. Interesting because that that to me is his way of victory. Um, and then you'd imagine Lewis, Lewis KO would be the probably the favorite of those um, props. 
Yeah, you lose by TKO is minus one twenty five. So wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think they they but it is not a so, fun bet. So Lewis by TKO KO is minus one twenty five, and then any other result is minus one fifteen. So they're basically saying that the most likely outcome of this fight is Lewis to win by KO TKO, which I agree with. I think the whole panel agrees with. Yeah. Um, but it's more like a it's not necessarily a skill set thing. It's more of like an age and a chin and a, how is this fight going to go for Olenek? I watched that White Walt Harris fight, um, and he got he got jabbed to death. I mean, it wasn't even like a hard punch. I mean, he just kind of went out. And I think, you know, when you age to forty three and you've been in, you've had seventy plus fights, I mean, it takes a toll. I will mention that he said this week he wants he wants to uh, keep fighting high level names for the next eight to ten years, which would be fucking. Olenek's awesome. a savage. I love <laughs> I love that. I mean, eight to ten years. Let me put it this way. Book it on the pod right now. If Olenek, ten years from now, is actually getting in the ring and fighting, I would be so fucking shocked. I mean, that man's been knocked out so many times, and he wants to fight at a high level for eight to ten years. I know that's not PC and shit, but Olenek, I mean, what are you? He's a, he's a crazy guy. He's a crazy man. The Russian well, we got time. we got a uh, we got a big a big boxing match coming up uh, with guys about that age. Mike Tyson taking on Road Jones Jr., which will be oh uh, god, definitely definitely interesting to watch as well. But looks like the three of us all on Lewis by KO, Kobe as the leading standings getter in our main event challenge. Are you going to stay with the consensus? You're going to go on your own on this one. Yeah, at, at the risk of not introducing a whole lot of controversy here, I'm going to stick with tricks. <laughs> um, I do I, – I, I laughed when I saw the video on Twitter of Derek Lewis spitting in Alexi's uh, prep meal. That was – I actually thought I, it was – I don't know how I didn't like real that. that is. I don't know how real that is, but I got a chuckle out of me. So, anyways, that's my input. Me too. Yeah, I mean, interesting to see what happens here. I mean, Lewis looks like he's on his last legs of his – contending career in Alexio Linick. God, the guy's still getting that's, it done. You know, Shiner, that's, that's extremely generous of you to say contending career. I know he did, in, in fact, contend. About three <laughs> so years ago now, but It's yeah. not a bullshit statement. It's not, by any means, it's not a bullshit statement. But I look at a guy like Derek Lewis, and I look at him as like a guy who's gotten every single break. I mean, literally, you look at his, his resume and you look at those fights, it's like, okay, he – debatably he was he was holding his fucking stomach because he was pinching a grumper the entire time against Travis Brown got TKO'd by Mark Hunt who has been 500 throughout his career and is trash the rest of the fights he was losing until the last second um he's a guy who I think is Danny said it for Chris Weidman but he is the most overrated fighter I think in in the UFC I just I went with champion what I went with most overrated champion. Yeah, but okay. we'll see. It's a little it's bit like, shallower of a pool. Two of the most overrated fighters, and uh, Chris Weidman and Derek Lewis, two of the most oh. underrated or overrated UFC fighters coming up. For anyone listening, uh, on the main. For anyone listening, stay tuned to the uh, Twitter. We will have a punishment for Danny and I between the Weidman fight and the Amaria Akmedov fight, um, because we, as you've listened, have butted heads beyond belief. And uh, we're absolutely gonna have some sort of <laughs> some sort of disciplinary action. The cappers are fired up, no doubt. We're gonna get <laughs> follow up content coming on the at ankle pick pod on on Twitter. Uh, we're going a little long tonight, boys. 
Uh, normally, we get, we're going to be able to highlight uh, a couple of prelim fights, but I think uh, in essence of time, uh, let's just go through really quick. If you guys have one or two picks for uh, some prelim fights you guys like, um, I know one that I'm looking forward to, uh, Loriano Staropoli, Staropoli uh, taking on Tim Means in the uh, feature prelim. Uh, Loriano coming out of uh, a country I very much enjoy and hold, hold true, uh, Argentina. So I'm going to be going with Staropoli, uh, no doubt, as a guy who uh, has shined in the South American circuit. Reese, who you got in terms of prelims you're looking forward to as well on yeah, this Lewis Olenek card? Yeah, let me get to my uh, fight notes here. I, I taped alarmingly long here. Um, so I actually, in that fight that you highlighted there quickly, I actually had Tim Means. As do I. Um, yeah, it's not a bet for me. It's just Tim Means has the experience. Um, he's got the the fight IQ. Um, I think Stripoli is going to be a name uh, three years from now, maybe even five years from now. Uh, I just think Tim Means, you know, he's the veteran. He's the guy who – who's kind of, who's had a couple bad beats. He's had a couple good wins. He's fought in, you know, uh, pretty much every name you can think, uh, Walter Waite. So he's a guy who I think is kind of going to be able to dictate the fight how he pleases. Um, the fight for the prelims, I mean, there's a lot of good prelims. This for a random card is very exciting for me. Um, the fight that I'm, I really, really wanted to highlight was the Gavin Tucker versus Justin Janice fight. Um, Gavin Tucker, and, and I know a lot of the guys on this pod uh, are pre or post Gavin Tucker. Um, Gavin Tucker was a guy that I was, as far as like newcomers and prospects go, um, I was most excited for. This guy is a guy who is well-rounded, uh, can work the submission, can work the grappling, can work the clinch, can, can strike with anyone you want. Um, he got absolutely mauled by Rick Glenn. Um, but I actually think that was a benefit for his career because he's talked time and time again about how much he's learned from that fight, uh, the, the lessons he's taken from that fight. And it also shows you the heart that he has because he uh, got absolutely mauled. I mean, I can if you haven't seen that fight, go back and watch that fight. Uh, people have been uh, questioning the judging – or not the judging, but the refereeing for a while because of how much of a lopsided bloodbath it was. Uh, but Rick Glenn, you know, he's a crafty UFC bat. He's a good fighter. Um, but I look at Gavin Tucker and I look at a guy who uh, might be overlooked based on his talent because of the outcome of that fight. Um, and Justin Janus or Janus, he, he packs a lot of power for 155. Uh, he knocked out Frank Camacho quite quickly um, in his only UFC fight. But the thing about Tucker is he's able to dictate this fight how he wants. Um, and I think he's got the, the fight IQ, but not, but, not, but not only that, but also the mental discipline to take this fight where he wants. Uh, so that's a fight that for me on the main card, I'm really looking out for. I'm excited for. Uh, when I saw Gavin Tucker's name, I actually uh, got pretty, pretty excited. Uh, so he's minus 120. If you're looking for an entertainment bet, uh, I would lay Tucker there. Um, but, you know, I'm excited to see him back. He took a two-year layoff before he fought. Sung Yoo Choi beat him by split decision – or not split decision, sub. But he lost a point. He got dicta- He got he got minus a point in that round. Um, so, you know, he's someone who has battled adversity, has battled some tough guys, and I'm. that's a fight that if you're 
uh, new to the sport or you're interested in the fight on the prelims to really watch after, I think Gavin Tucker's the type of guy that can make some real noise, uh, not only in this fight, but also for years to come. Reese going with Tucker as his featured prelim. Danny, who you got as a prelim or two that you uh, are highlighting on this week's card? Yeah, just to, just to give my uh, input on both of y'all's featured prelims, um, I'm leaning means, although it's not a no bet. Staropoli coming off of a tough loss to Muslim Salikov, who we saw a week or two ago. Um, Staropoli is a big kind of like jumping strike kind of guy, a big highlight ESPN kind of guy. Um, should be fun to watch, but I do think that Tim Means is going to be the more well-rounded fighter here and kind of dictate his fight. Um, in the Tucker Janes fight, this this kind of goes into my feature prelim. I like to find in on the individual cards a theme, whether it's just they're fighting in Brazil and they're a bunch of Brazilian fighters or they're fighting in um, in Melbourne and it's city kickboxing night. Tonight's TriStars Resurgence. If you look at the prelims, we've got Nazarat um, fighting out of TriStar. We've got um, uh, Gavin Tucker's a TriStar guy. And also um, Andrew Sanchez is a TriStar guy. And my featured prelim of the night is going to be Andrew Sanchez. Uh, he's got a great wrestling foundation. He's actually also a decent boxer. He's a live dog at the plus 130 price. I actually will be laying one unit on this. Um, Termina is more technical and clean striking, but I actually don't see him getting it done here. I think that Sanchez is going to be the more well-rounded well guy. He's going to dictate the pace and take the fight where he wants. I think that Faraz Sahabi at TriStar is going to get a nice little resurgence in terms of his coaching res resume. Um, yeah. I, I see all three of those guys winning tonight. And I could not agree more with Danny on the Andrew Sanchez fight. Um, I actually am also laying one unit on Sanchez, so that's uh, a live dog unanimously on this pod. Um, I think Andrew Sanchez has UFC experience, but not, but not only that, but the striking ability to combat uh, Wellington Terman. He's, he's a good fighter. I, I'm excited to see what he has. He's young. He's 24. Um, I do worry about the submission game, but, but both Danny and I are riding Sanchez at the, at the live dog there. So mm -hmm. I, I really appreciate that, that intake, and I'm, I'm with you on that. Love it. Danny liking Sanchez with Reese. A uh, couple other names on the card. Uh, we got Kevin Holland returning as well as uh, a couple early fights in the bantamweight division. Boys, it's been a blast as always. Ankle Pick Pod on Twitter. We got Lewis Olinick coming to you live from the Apex this Saturday night. Tune in to ESPN, ESPN Plus, the whole Disney family. Let's get it going. Boys, any parting words? Follow that ankle pick pod for the free money parlay. And DK Capper, if you want to watch him roast fighters. Um, my one thing is let's let's build some audience here because going into that Izzy Kosa fight is going to be the best podcast of all time. I mean, we when I mean we're split. I mean, we are split, and we are so passionate about that. Story. We haven't even gone. We've like we've gone like so top layer of like the the amount of chirping back <laughs> and forth there's gonna I be know. when we get it's, to that. You have no idea. We spend seven days a week chirping each other about that one. Uh, so that's gonna be a podcast. Let's do for all time. Stay tuned. Make some money. 
Uh, enjoy this podcast, but uh, for sure, stay tuned for that. That not only that DC's uh, Mirchich fight, but that poster is the one. It's the one you're gonna want to listen to. Even as other sports come back, and it's not the only show in town, still holding out strong. Boys, great up. We'll see y'all next week for DC and Bay. We're not here to take part. We're here to take over. We're here to take over. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.